I don't know that there's anything more comforting and familiar to uh, living the life that we all of us live than coffee. It seems to be a universal thing. It's kind of like the universal language. Do you think coffee tastes like how it smells? Better. Something about that warmth, especially in the mornings, creating that atmosphere in your home, the smell, the special place you might have to drink it, that special mug from which you might have to drink it. I do have a favorite mug whenever I'm off on the weekends. We fill it with uh, delicious coffee, delicious coffee that is uh, crafted by John Conti, none other than. We're especially grateful to John Conti for their sponsorship of our podcast, You'll Die Trying. We're thankful to the people, but we're especially thankful also for the product because John Conti Coffee and Conti Tea Products and Aqua Conti, the water product, it's all phenomenal. Not to mention the um, Conti Lemonade. I like lemonade more than I should. Because <laughs> it has so much sugar in it? Yeah. You can put sugar in coffee, too. I drink it black. Good. That's the thing with Conti coffee, too, is it really doesn't ask for anything more. That's very, very true. It presents itself very simply, but sleekly. Kentucky Proud. We're proud to be in Kentucky. We're proud to be partnering with John Conti as we drink their products. We serve it to all of our families who come into our care that we care for so reverently. And uh, we're grateful for John Conti. Please visit johnconti.com. Please go to amazon.com and search John Conti coffee and fill your belly with some delicious Conti products. For those of you who don't know, look at who makes your coffee. Go to the gas station. If it's not John Conti, get back in your car and go somewhere else because it matters. It's worth it. John Conti coffee. I just got a call from my father-in-law. How was that one? He and his family were in the liquor distribution business for a long time. They ended up selling out. He retired, but he was just giving me a little heads up that there's a special bourbon on the truck on its way to Owensboro, Kentucky. That's how Daniel Day-Lewis says it in The Last of the Mohicans. Take a right and go to Kentucky. That's a great film. And there's a truck on its way with a bourbon as a special limited edition. For you? For me, if I go to the store at the right time and buy it underneath all the bootleggers and types. But yeah. If he was a good father in law, he'd send it directly to you. That's pretty much what I was just telling him. Just saying. I said, you know what? You would uh, get me that bourbon or uh, you'd die trying. Welcome. Welcome to this, our sixth episode of You'll Die Trying. Six episodes. It's exciting. I am flabbergasted, if I can say that, with how the response has been. I mean, give me a break. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Thank you for you who have uh, listened and you who have subscribed. Truly, it's humbling. It's it, amazing, and we're very grateful. It has become something so quick that I don't I have to be very honest. I don't think I foresaw coming. I just thought this was a great opportunity. Like I said in the first one, I believe, whenever we were talking, I was like, man, this is therapy for for both of us, for me. I was speaking personally. I think we've struck a chord. I hope so. I do. I, I hope so. I think I think with anything that you do in life, there has to be this like genuine sincerity behind it. And people 
can recognize that because people are smart. <laughs> you know, they have this ability yeah. to sense, and I think they sense our excitement. You know, there's a, a quotation um, by uh, Rumi. Have you ever heard of Rumi? Rumi? R-U-M-I, Rumi? Mm, no. Uh, he was a 13th century Persian uh, philosopher and poet. So um, he is replete with quotations that are life-giving and amazing. And the my favorite quotation of Rumi's, one of my favorite quotations of all time, and it speaks to what you were just saying, is, out beyond right and wrong, there is a field. I will meet you there. And I feel like our podcast is, it, we're not interested in really solving the world's problems. We're not interested in delineating between um, what is what is right and what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. Uh, I think we're kind of trying to move beyond that and to meet each other in this field where we can be open to uh, possibility and newness and opportunity and thinking that is beyond conventional. So that's my goal. I want us to push beyond right and wrong into a field where everybody feels welcome because it's it's not about what you believe or how I vote or how I understand truth or it's it's more than that it's community actually community as it's evolving and and coming to life between the two of us that's pretty profound i had someone come up to me today and they were listening and said they've been listening and they said i was actually listening to be critical and I found myself That's good. enjoying it. And I said, wow, thank you for sharing that. So uh, to you that, that came up to me and shared that, I appreciate it. I appreciate the honesty. And I appreciate you continuing to listen to what we uh, are finding out in our lives and our daily walk. And, and hopefully it lines up with you and maybe does a little bit of encouragement. Yeah, I hope that people will listen um, sometimes with a bit of a critical ear because I hope uh, for us to get better. And I hope for us to eventually evolve to the point where we have uh, show notes so I can say, hey, we'll put that link in the show notes. Mm. Um, but we don't, so I won't. <laughs> but when we do, I hope people will uh, will comment and say, hey, this is uh, this is all right, or this this ain't all that, or hey, I, I really like that. What I really would like too is for people to to uh, give us some suggestions of things they'd like for us to uh, to kind of ponder over. Absolutely, and you can do that, ladies and gentlemen. If you go to a uh, anchor fm a n c h o r fm forward slash you'll die trying. That is the official website of our podcast. Please, you can leave comments. Uh, you can, of course, subscribe to this. Uh, I can't say that word. I have a YouTube channel. I can't say subscribe. I can't say it right now. I think it's like when I'm learning. I'm watching our daughters learn to dance, and and I hear my wife saying, "You got to make sure you finish the first move before you start the next move," and each one is done with intention. And I think of syllables in the same way. I get made fun of by my entire family about how I order at fast food restaurants. And yes, I eat at fast food restaurants. And you know what? I love it. It's absolutely delicious. It is amazing. Got it. When I, however, speak to the child of God on the other side of that (laughs) speaker, apparently my diction and enunciation are a little overpronounced, and my whole family makes fun of me. I would appreciate a sweetened tea. <laughs> absolutely Is that perfect? how it sounds. Yes. I went to Chick-fil-A yesterday, mm. and we beat the rush. You're speaking my love language. Chick-fil-A. It was 
Oh my goodness! So they put all those cones out to kind of get the ready for the line. That place is a gold mine. It's man. perfect. It's ran perfectly, in my personal opinion. There have got to be some growth areas, but I, I've got to agree. I'm gonna come back to that. Give me your experience about Chick Fil A. I pulled into the parking lot. Of course, the parking lot is pristine. There's not a piece of trash. Yeah. In the parking lot. Were you in the 17th or 18th circle around the building? <laughs> I was actually, that's my point. I pulled into the parking lot and the lady is standing at that, it looks kind of like the valet stand with the umbrella yeah. and she has the the iPad to take our order. Do you know what she does? I beat, well, she takes my order very eloquently and beautifully and says, uh, my pleasure, of course. As soon as I pulled in and finished my order to pull around, then comes the madness. It was about 5.08 p.m. I had Anderson, my little guy, with me. Oh, gosh. And then the cars just start coming in and drove. So I probably beat 30 to 40 cars within a one-minute period, and it was beautifully executed. Like I said, those cones and then the signage to say, you know, come this way, it was perfect. No one got confused. Uh, no one seemed to have any issues with getting their orders correct, and then they— when I get to the window, they, of course, uh, make sure that the order is accurate. They repeat it. They repeat it uh, with intelligence and and passion. And I asked for more Polynesian. They didn't look at me like I was an idiot. They gave me more Polynesian. They actually gave me two extra straws instead of leaving out two. Do they, you know why you needed two straws? For future use? For the Polynesian. Because <laughs> let me just tell you that that's what you do to Polynesian sauce. You drink it with straws, not one, two. You drink it by itself. I am so grateful for Polynesian sauce. I don't know how the Polynesian peoples live with that sauce every day, <laughs> because for me, it is, it's a rare privilege. But I have to admit, I have a few packs in my refrigerator. A few meaning an entire Ziploc bag sitting in the butter area? Why do I feel like I have to refrigerate it at home when it's sitting out at that customer stand <laughs> at Chick-fil-A? I do it too. Because I think they just made it. They just made it for me. It didn't need to be refrigerated. But I get it to my home. It's like, oh, I got to put this in my fridge. Because Chick-fil-A's that good. You know, I try a little game that I play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a special thank you to the people who do work at Chick-fil-A because they, they are rock stars when it comes to customer service. And I know that's part of the culture, and we'll maybe get to that in a second. But I love to try to say things to them that they would need to respond thank you to me so I get to say my pleasure. Mm. So I like to say, hey, have a nice day. Or they say, you too. And I'll say, no, 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 you have a nice day. To which they'll say, oh, thanks. My pleasure. I like to say with a little Scottish accent, it's my pleasure. It's <laughs> so funny. Their they, customer service, it's it's off the charts. And it starts at the top. Yeah. It ha I mean, it starts at the top. I, their, their culture, I mean, closed on Sundays. And uh, I, that is a day for family. That is a day for, for prayer. That is a day to honor, you know, both of those. And they honor that. They probably cut out. And it's always amazing. Don't you want Chick-fil-A so badly on Sundays? Yes, of course I do. Absolutely. You know, I want to push back a little bit about that. Okay. That idea of closed on Sundays. You know, there was a time in our country where blue laws existed and Sundays were closed for basically everything except for restaurants, I guess. Maybe there was a time when there was literally nothing open. But for me, I used to work in a church, so I was like, well, I work every Sunday, you know, so it's just kind of a thing. No one expects it. But I think it comes back to that whole remember the Sabbath notion. Um, 
and that, that that's a big long conversation we could have. But I I wonder what about the people who are working on Sundays? I mean, their families are important too, right? But their businesses have, for whatever reason, said, hey, we're going to be a a seven-day-a-week business, and you know that coming into it, and we want to bring you in, and we want to make you a part of this family, but at the same time, you know, we work on Sundays. For almost 20 years, I worked on Sundays, really didn't get a weekend per se, and you and the people who work with you oftentimes are working on a Sunday. So what do you think about uh, Sundays and blue laws and how grateful we are that the liquor stores are now open on Sunday. Maybe I've said too much. What do you think about that? I am grateful that the liquor stores are open on Sunday. I have... That's a new thing for us in Owensboro. It is a new thing for us for the longest time. They were closed. I think what time did they stop at... uh, Was it Sunday at 2 a.m.? Yes. Not that I was up at 2 a.m. buying alcohol. No, you were at Taco Bell having already bought That is, and getting an extra package of hot sauce to put into... Enunciating your order with perfection. Yeah. And then going to the butter area of my refrigerator to put the, the... I really do have a Ziploc bag filled with hot and fire sauce in my butter. Do you ask for volcano sauce? No, Megan. Is there volcano sauce? That's exactly what they'll say to you when Got you it. ask. Yes. See, I caught that. Thank goodness. We get fire. I think that every family member or people who work do deserve, you know, a day off and... If you just heard that, that was Dr. Carroll. I, I I don't know how it happened, but kicking his microphone I was, spring. I was trying to get comfortable. <laughs> we have our legs propped up on the on the podcast desk. I think that it's important. I, you know, I'm a believer as a conservative guy. I just grew up. It's kind of one of those things that's been instilled in me. This Sunday off. I don't have Sundays off every every week. Uh, so it's expected that every other weekend I'm gone throughout the weekend. I don't really have a for or against it. Sure. I, I am against Chick-fil-A being closed on Sunday. <laughs> I am wholeheartedly against it. In fact, I'm sponsoring a referendum, <laughs> which will have zero effect on a privately owned company. But at the Correct. same time, you know, when Chick-fil-A has it down, not only uh, this whole like work taking a day off, it really doesn't matter to me what day they take off. I just think it's great that they're like, you don't have to work and it doesn't impact your pay, except for it does if you need hours. That's a whole other conversation. But at the same time, they have revolutionized not only the chicken sandwich. They've revolutionized marketing. I mean, everybody recognizes the black and white cow, you know, eat more chicken misspelled because no one knows why Chick-fil-A is spelled the way it is. It's it's an impressive place. And here's the thing. You were mentioning being on the 17th circle around the building and there are all these signs and no one was confused. It wouldn't matter if people were confused. There could be not one cone there could be not one person. There could just be one speaker with one, you know, 80-year-old woman listening and getting your order to you in the next couple of weeks. No one would complain. <laughs> That's how amazing they are at that. I the, want some of that sauce. I think that there's something to mimic there. I think that, and it's something I kind of want to dive into with how they operate. You know, you have your managerial staff that are there and they have the, see, I mean, why, isn't it amazing how subconsciously I've paid attention so much because I know they're doing something different. Their managers always have a different color shirt. In this instance, it was uh, the blue shirt. The, this lovely lady had a blue shirt on when I was going through the window. She was, uh, she was actually making sure that that order was right before it was dispatched out the door. Um, it's, 
it's a culture there. It's a culture of these young people who are at the register, for instance, uh, they are taught, this is what we expect of you as far as kindness, my pleasure. And it instills in those young people when they go back to school, they're probably passing that along to their students, their fellow student body. They're probably being responsible, respectful to their teachers and administration at that school. They're probably excelling at school and the curriculum itself. So it is incredible what your culture that you create in your business, the effect that it has on people that aren't even affiliated with your business. Mm -hmm. So I want to circle back. I think this week, what we should do is we should probably do a little bit more research on what it is that Chick-fil-A, uh, I actually, I think I already know what it is. I think it's just the core value of just, uh, treating people well and, and delivering a, a delicious product, quality product every single time, every time with unmistakably impeccable customer service and processes that you can depend on. I'm sure it's happened. Have you ever had an order wrong at Chick-fil-A though? You personally? I have never had it wrong. I've had it where it wasn't exactly ideal, like maybe the temperature wasn't what it needed to be. And I I do have some frustrations with their uh, menu curator, whoever's job it is to come up with what they want in their menus. Because as a child, uh, my dad would... uh, take me to a movie, just the two of us, and we would get Chick-fil-A and we would sneak it into the theater. And of course, we would gently escort the moist bun carrying this chicken out of its aluminum-lined paper bag and the wafting Chick-fil-A-flavored scent would draw attention to everyone in the room to us. We didn't care. We did not care because we were about to enjoy some Chick-fil-A. But here's my thing. I'm a mayonnaise lover. All the haters out there are currently hating. I'm a mayonnaise lover, and you know most people secretly like it. We, I would put mayonnaise on the sandwich, replace the top bun, replace the sandwich into the perfectly lined aluminum bag, and reseal it, and let the whole thing just kind of marinate. That was my trick. But I would also get coleslaw and a piece of lemon pie. Pie. You heard that. I Mm. said pie. They don't have either now. No coleslaw, no lemon pie. So I'm a little frustrated. I've sent my letters, I've done my due diligence, no no change. And guess what? Does it change my Chick-fil-A attendance habits? Nope. You know why? Because it's delicious. Every time. Every single time. I think it's pretty incredible that we have devoted the entire podcast to Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, we will be uh, contacting you or expecting you to be contacting us within the next uh, 30 minutes. 40,000 people inquire every year to becoming uh, uh, an operator. They don't call them franchisees or owners. They're just operators of the brand. 40,000. And of those, guess how many are accepted? 300. 100 to 115. Wow. Guess how many people apply to Harvard annually? How many? 43,000. Guess how many get in? 200. 2,000. So is it harder to become a Chick-fil-A operator than it is to get into Harvard? Yes. It's my pleasure. Wow. Chew on that one, guys. And they maintain everything. Like, they they own the building. You have to take care of it. You've got to pay your people. They take 60% of your profits. I mean, I've read up on how to become an operator, and it's it's intense. I wanted to open up uh, a new Chick-fil-A freestanding unit uh, 
beside my house and I was declined. <laughs> so again, I will was keep it. Was it a zoning issue? I mean, they tried to throw some political <laughs> language at me like that. It's like, whatever. Oh gosh. I, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know how we got we got here. And I'm, well, I'm sad to get off of here. <laughs> well, now I'm just hungry. <laughs> I'm starving. Customer service, I think, is where we were kind of uh, going to. But you know what? I said you you mentioned Chick Fil A, and it brought me to uh, to be able to kind of utter a bit of a vulnerable utterance. <laughs> <laughs> and it is you this. See what we? You see what Chick-fil-A he did there? Chick Fil A is my love language. It's one of them. I have several. I'm physical touch, word, physical touch, words of affirmation. You are joy, Chick-fil-A, joy, Polynesian sauce. <laughs> Polynesian sauce. So for those of you who aren't maybe familiar, I don't know. There, I'm sure there are people who, who aren't familiar, um, but there is a, a best-selling book. I think this uh, Love Languages book by Gary Chapman has been on the bestseller list since like the 1980s. I'm even going to guess. I don't know that for sure. I mean, like the topping off the best-selling list since the 1980s. This, this is incredible. And uh, this is, it's not a perfect system, but it's a kind of a fun framework to give uh, people who are in relationship a way to talk about uh, what it is that they need. And so the five love languages, you know what they are? Words of affirmation. Check. Physical touch. Check. Gift giving. Check. Quality time. Check. Acts of service. Check. I've read the book. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Yes. And yours are? Physical touch, words of affirmation. If you tell me I'm doing incredible, I will melt like butter in your hands. And if we don't tell you that? Then my love tank is empty and I'll putter and sit in the, on the curb until you do. So does this mean that your quality of work is utterly dependent on what you receive from other people? Uh, mine? Now, No. Now, now, no, uh, used to probably be, and I was actually, it's funny that you go there because I was going to, I was going to say, can you apply these five love languages in the workplace? And I think you totally can. Gary Chapman, it's Gary, right? That's right. Thank you. For now. The past like four episodes, I think I've gotten every one of your authors right wrong. Really? Yes. You said, you asked me, um, if I'd heard of, I forget which, like, you're like, you've heard of him, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I said his name is... We are talking about Emmanuel Kant, and I think you called him Nobs. <laughs> don't know. Not. I said not. Okay. There you go. <laughs> like you knobs. do remember it. I just think that uh, Gary speaks to, we're on a first name basis, he speaks to the, the marriage with the love languages. And I think that, I'm sure there's a book out or you could apply it to the five love languages in the workplace. Yeah, I'm Do sure you think is. that you get better results if you can kind of love your employees where they are and kind of love them through their performance? What are your thoughts on all of this? Well, my thoughts are I'd like to put in a big plug against no physical touch in the workplace. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So if physical <laughs> touch is your love language, you got to be looking forward outside of the workplace. And we're living in an environment now where obviously that's that is uh, that's big news, and it's becoming bigger news every day. So uh, let's let's operate maybe out of uh, well. Now that you say, and I look at these words of affirmation. Okay, that's I think that's a that's a pretty easily one done. You notice that someone's doing something well, you acknowledge that, right? It's always interesting when I thank someone, like let's say at Kroger, who's checking me out, or uh, someone who's. Uh, getting a nail out of my tire and you thank them and they're like, well, I'm just doing my job. Like somehow that takes away from the fact that they should be thanked for that. And I'm always like, well, yeah, you're doing your job. I'm so grateful you're doing your job because if you weren't here to do this job, 
I'd be driving around on a flat with groceries sitting in my cart for weeks. So I'm grateful that you do what you do. People, it's almost like they're just not ready for that or they're just, they're not, they're not in the habit or the practice of receiving. So I think words of affirmation go a long way, not just in romantic relationships, but across the board. And I think acts of service too are universal. I mean, you can always be thoughtful and look for ways to be helpful and kind, as long as it is in fact helpful and kind, which brings in a whole topic of, is it helpful if someone didn't ask for it? Or is that more kind of controlling? And that's another conversation for another podcast. But I think there are, uh, there's some good things to be said about that in the workplace and quality time. I mean, I think people who who are uh, working for the uh, the higher ups at a place like, I don't know, some random business, Chick-fil-A, for instance, um, I'm sure that they would love some quality time with you know, Truett Cathy, who, God rest his soul, he's completed his baptism and death, but his family still owns and operates that. And I'm sure some time with them would be great. So I don't know, though, about gift giving and physical touch, although I know that people have given... Um, gas cards and bread baskets and gift cards to restaurants for employees going a little bit above and, and, and beyond. So yeah, maybe we needed to, to create our own kind of uh, love language system for, uh, for business owners that, that absolutely and explicitly does not include physical touch. I think you did a really good job as the executive director of, of HR there, buddy. Sorry about that. That was uh, one of those things where it's kind of like, before we started this podcast, uh, TJ, uh, shout out to Wonder Boy and the uh, Wonder Boys over there. TJ was having a meeting with Kentucky Legend and uh, the ladies in the, the uh, office were, where am I going? Where am I going? This is one of those moments where you need words of affirmation, isn't it? Yes. I'm going to remain silent. Can you go back and talk about what we were just saying? We were talking about how we could create love languages for business. That, I don't have a clue what I was And you said, oh, with. you've done a great job of doing that at HR. It's interesting that we got there. And, oh, it's funny because just before this, TJ said, and then that's when you went off the rails. I just had a mini stroke, ladies and gentlemen. I am okay. My L- pulse is good. Love language in the context of business, I think it could work. I just think it needs a little bit of tweaking. But you know what? People need and deserve to be honored and respected and shown beautiful things and, and reminded of what they mean to us as people, not just to businesses. And corporations are really, it's hard, you know, because it's just management level after management level. But in places like where we are, it's it's really easy to walk by somebody and say, I don't know if you know how grateful I am for what you do, because if you didn't do it the way you do it, we'd all we'd all be in alert. So thank you so much. I watched a video uh, about three days ago. Gary V released it, and it was really neat to hear this guy. His his philosophy is is this: he he puts people, empowers them in his in his empire that he's grown. Let's be honest, very well. And he said there is so much value in, and and I'm I'm paraphrasing. There's so much value in just putting someone in charge of something and getting out of their way and letting them do it. Uh, control freaks in business are disgusting in that uh, it's pride and it's gross. So even if someone, even if I, Jay, allow you to do something and you do it 80% or 83% uh, to my 100%, I would get rid of, I would be willing to get rid of that 20% of performance to get that 100% of buy-in, continued buy-in. Yeah. 
that is really cool. It's really opened my eyes as a business, as a business owner. What we've done, what I do is, is, you know, putting, putting Christine in charge of, uh, you know, the scheduling coordinating and, and all of our managing directors at each location, letting them have the autonomy to make those decisions and just getting out of their way. Even if I wouldn't do it that way, or, or I feel like, which I, I, I've removed it from my mind. Oh, I'll do it better than them. I've just allowed them to perform. And that's, there's something to be said for that with your business, with the, 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 the culture that it does create. I mean, mm-hmm. would you agree with that? I think Gary V really hit the nail on the head. It's really kind of inspired me to be like, wow, I would get rid of that 20% of performance. I would be willing to throw that out the window to get that continued 100% of buy-in. Yeah. You follow me? Yeah. Yeah. I am. I am with you actually. And, uh, I discovered while you were just uh, bringing that to light, that there is a resource called the five languages of appreciation in the workplace that Gary Chapman wrote with someone named Paul White, empowering organizations by encouraging people. Uh, so yeah, I think that's, isn't that kind of the the backbone of leadership? You know, Marcus Lemonis, uh, he's the multimillionaire uh, investor who has the show The Profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, on CNBC. Uh, he talks about the three Ps, but you have to have the right people in the right place. You have to have a good product, and you have to have good processes. Good people, products, and processes. Underneath all of that, if you ever watch him, it's so amazing. It, he is all about himself, some people. His people skills, his soft skills are off the charts. And you can see right through it, he's not afraid to mention it. He is full of, of radical candor, which is a concept uh, brought in by a book, uh, in a book by a woman. I think her name is Kim Scott. She used to work for Sheryl Sandberg at Google, who's now at uh, Facebook. And this book is about being able to care for people so deeply that you're willing to tell them the truth but in a way that they can hear it, in a way that's encouraging, even though it might be critical. So it isn't manipulative, it isn't mean, it isn't meant to hurt, but it's still direct and clear and firm. And uh, I think that this is what Marcus Lemonis brings. He's able to talk to people directly and clearly about what it is that they need to to fix in order to fix their business, and he's going to kind of buy in with them. But he's so full of of empowerment and encouragement. I think that's kind of the the baseline for business leaders. Without that, I don't, I don't know that we're doing anything right. I really enjoy watching Marcus. I think it's really empowering. I, I get a lot of encouragement from that, to be honest with you, because radical candor is something that we've implemented. You, you, we brought that in recently. And I think there's this, uh, it feels really good to be able to have this conversation and not leave anything in your mind. It's kind of like, it's all out there. Yes. And good leaders, I think, are the ones that sit across from someone. And, and we said this a few, a few episodes ago talking about, Hey, it's okay if I have my pay a, a few days early. The answer is respectfully no. Right. And, uh, you don't actually need any reason behind that the answer. You is know, just, we never really owe an explanation to anyone, nothing, uh, especially when we're working on kind of defining ourselves. And that's certainly something we'll talk about, but here's uh, what I want to leave us with. If you had to come up with off the cuff, if we did, if we had to come up with off the cuff, five love languages of our podcast for our listeners, what comes to mind? Five love, like creating our own? Our own five love languages, brand new, just specific to our particular podcast. What is What are our love languages in relationship to this podcast and our listeners whom we so appreciate? How about I just put the ball back in your court and say, how about you answer that question? Because you just blew my mind. That's a good Socratic kind of uh, method where you answer a question by asking a question. 
well, okay, let's we'll we'll toggle back and forth. Okay. I think raw honesty and vulnerability. I was going to say honesty, so I think we're on the same page there. Raw honesty and vulnerability. Number one. Number one. Number two. Number two is going to be. Um, can we can can we say on? No, we already said that one. Can we say? Um, what about quality? Quality is a good one. Why don't you just finish it's this? It's an overused this really... word, I know, but it still has meaning. It's shop-worn, but around the edges, it still has some of its luster. I think quality is still something people mm-hmm. want. Right. I don't think they're interested in us just sitting around having coffee and talking about ourselves. I right. do think quality they from... want us to talk about things that matter in a way that matters and that's honest, and they're going to get in on that. Mm-hmm. The content, the the content, the quality of the, of quality. the content and yes. sound. Yes. So mm-hmm. quality of content, quality of sound. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. So what about um, tailored content? That is, when people can communicate with us, hey, we'd love for y'all to kind of talk about this. And we're like, you know what? We hear that, and here it is. I think Del- there's... Delivering tailored content. I think there's something uh, really great there, and I think it's great because we're, we kind of know where we are. You know, with this podcast, we kind of know we're in this little, we're in this niche. I'm going to say niche. I'm going to say it the right way. Yeah, it's very French. It, yeah, thank you. It's, it's we, we aren't over there one minute and over here one minute. We kind of are in this spectrum and like uh, we align with those people that are listening. And I think uh, tailored uh, to the content is great in regards to that. I think the idea that listening to and tailoring what you just said to the, our listeners is, is a cool, is a cool thought too. You know, listeners probably have no idea that we don't know what we're going to talk about until we start communicating. And I don't know if that's a good thing that we do that or not, but out beyond good and bad, there is a field. And I'll meet you there. Last one, last love language. We probably have should some. Uh, have we said excitement yet? Public displays. Have of we, affection. Have we said excitement? Work. Yeah, enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. You know enthusiasm has its roots in the in the Latin and Greek for to be in God. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? It is really pretty. I like enthusiasm, excitement, interest. Like I'm genuinely interested in our content. I listen because I'm I'm learning. I am genuinely enthusiastic to open the door to come into the studio and record a podcast with you. And I am excited. And we kind of, let's be honest, at this point, we know he's being very serious, ladies and gents, that we don't necessarily know what we're going to talk about, but we do. I mean, we do. When your mind is constantly focused on being bigger, better, you know, all nothing these things. Nothing prepared, nothing scripted. Right. We're yeah. Just, yeah. We're just two gents. Leaning into our own understanding. Mm-hmm. We're two gents sitting around having a conversation about how we can be better and how the experiences that we had uh, the last day or two have helped us to realize that, hey, you know, I need to take from that or, hey, I need to not do that uh, thing or things. Yeah, those are things you sh- we shouldn't do. Yeah, definitely. We shouldn't do like, like you know, like say we want to implement the five love languages at, at a workplace and one of them is physical touch. Like, We're not doing Absolutely, that. we're not, guys. Um, and, and we can't have public displays of affection in our podcast. No, we definitely can't. Primarily because it's not video. Although. Uh, we're pleased to tell you that uh, beginning of the year, we will be beginning. Uh, video. Yes. Podcasting. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to have to start wearing more than what I'm wearing. I'm going to have to start thinking about what uh, uh, I say before I say it. And that's something for another episode. Because nope, I think that's the love language. It's honest. It's raw. It's vulnerable. I don't I know how much more real. vulnerable you can get with saying something that that's that's silly. But that's that's okay. You know what? Um, uh, we're just going to die trying. Guys. We're going to do our best or die trying. We'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone.